What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Week four picks, along with power rankings and my top ten nationally. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts, make sure you are tuned into this one here. Follow us on YouTube. Twitter, Instagram, Big Ten Football Talk is the handle. And if you want to send me an email, Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. And of course, make sure to hit that subscribe uh, and like button on YouTube. And also make sure to leave a review on Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Really fun, exciting slate of games this week. Uh, in some ways, it felt like the preseason, at least for a few teams. But now it, it's starting to feel a bit more real as we get into the meat of the season. We're going to start with Friday, September 22nd. We've got Wisconsin traveling to Purdue. Wisconsin is a five and a half point favorite. And I, I'm not sure what to make of Wisconsin. I think they've struggled a bit in their games against Georgia Southern and Buffalo. They they couldn't run the ball against Washington State, which was more of a talent-equated game. And I, I think it's very possible that they struggle to, to run the ball against, I, I think, an underrated Purdue front. I know people might look at Purdue-Syracuse and think, well, Syracuse had a lot of, a lot of yards on the ground, and they did. Also, a lot of those were from Garrett Schrader, the quarterback. And Tanner Mordecai, I, I think he can move a little bit. I don't think he's Garrett Schrader in terms of mobility. So I I think this is going to be a hard game for Wisconsin. You know, I, I think Purdue actually matches up a bit more with their athleticism, uh, particularly in the wide receiving core. I think Hudson Card gives them a puncher's chance in any game it's at Purdue. And I think Wisconsin is a little discombobulated right now. I, I, I still think they're trying to figure out how do you blend uh, Phil Longo's system with the power run game. And they, they just don't have as much talent as I thought they did. So I'm actually picking Purdue with the upset here. I know certain people might think you're putting way too much stock in Purdue. I, I think it's less about, like, I think Purdue is better than people expect, and I don't think Wisconsin is as good as we thought. It's at Purdue. I like Purdue by a touchdown. I'm going to take them 27 to 20, and obviously Purdue not only covers, but they win outright. We go to Saturday, September 23rd, 12 p.m. kickoff Big Ten on the Big Ten Network. We've got Rutgers at number two, Michigan. Michigan's a 24-point favorite. And, you know, Michigan is weirdly only averaging 157 yards per game on the ground. They haven't needed to do much because their defense has been so dominant and they've kind of shut it down in the second half 
minus the Bowling Green game. I am wondering though, is this the game where they play all four quarters and, and Michigan's O-line running game, do they get really on track? But the reality is they, they have not run like they have in the past. They've been good, but not dominant. And then if you look at Rutgers, you know, people might look at this game and see the name Rutgers and see Michigan and be like, Oh, easy cakewalk. I remember it was just a couple years ago that I, I believe it was a seven point game between Rutgers and Michigan at Michigan. Rutgers is allowing less than 70 yards per game rushing and over 210 yards. They, they are getting 210 yards running the ball on offense. If Rutgers wants a chance in this game, they, they need to stop the run and run the ball said every team ever. But if they can do that, if they can control the clock, if they can use whims in that running quarterback role, if common guy can have another explosive game, I think Rutgers can keep this close. I, I think the way Michigan is built lends itself to the possibility that Rutgers could keep it close, maybe sting them in the fourth quarter. So I think it'll be a close game. Ultimately, I don't think Rutgers has enough firepower. And I do think, I, I think JJ McCarthy bounces back and has a big day. I think Michigan pulls away in the second half. I'm going 31 to 13, but I think a lot of that damage is done in the later part of the third quarter, early fourth. Don't be surprised if Rutgers is in this and if they're even ahead at half. I think it, it could be close at half and then Michigan kind of runs away with it at the end. Florida Atlantic, Illinois, Illinois is a 15 and a half point favorite. This is a three 30 game on the big 10 network. This game is a get well game for Illinois, right? Illinois had five turnovers against Penn state and Penn state has a great defense. And I think Illinois has just been a bit sluggish on offense. And so they, they really need a get well game. And I think Florida Atlantic is what the doctor ordered. I think Illinois wins big. I've got it 45 to 17. Uh, Florida Atlantic, I think, gets a junk score at the end. I think Altmeyer has a good game and rebounds from what happened last week. It, what happened to him, I think, might happen to a couple quarterbacks this year with Penn State because I think that back seven really is legit good. Like maybe, maybe the best back seven in the country. Maryland, Michigan State. 3.30 p.m. NBC. I'm going to take first off a moment to just talk about Mel Tucker. He was fired officially uh, after a lot of speculation. And so it, they're going to keep the same plan interim. Mark D'Antonio being the associate head coach. I, I think a real question is how does Michigan State respond? Uh, I, I thought Michigan State got blown out by a really good football team in Washington. We're going to talk about them a little later in the show. But what was really concerning to me was a couple of things. One is just, I think the, the discipline, I think for the past several years, they've really struggled with explosive uh, vertically oriented teams. And also I think they've just really struggled to be disciplined in tackling disciplined in doing the fundamentals. And I think that's where I really am concerned 
for the Spartans, not just in this game, but in year in the, the games down the line is I think Michigan state has some talent. You know, I think there's potential with, with Kim at quarterback. I think they have a good run runner in Carter, but the thing that concerns me is lack of discipline. You know, now they've got this, this coaching fiasco and this distraction with Mel Tucker and Mel Tucker is going on record and saying he was wrongfully terminated and so what does that do? What does that do to this team? And then you you bring in a Maryland program who I think is probably better than the scores suggest, right? Virginia, I believe, was up 14-0 early last week. Virginia is not a good team. But Maryland was just dominant afterwards. Uh, it was the same thing with Charlotte. You know, you probably saw the Charlotte score. It's 14-0 early. And you think, uh, what's going on with Maryland? But then Maryland turned it on and it was fine. Can Maryland start fast? I think that's the big question in this game. I think if Maryland starts fast, it will be a blowout. I think if Maryland is sluggish, I think it's it, it could be easily a slugfest in the first half and give Michigan State a window of opportunity to steal this game. Ultimately, I think Maryland is the better team. I think Maryland will start fast. It's I think it's something that Mike Loxley has really addressed here this past week. You know, Maryland's a seven and a half point favorite. Again, this is three thirty at NBC. I think Maryland wins and wins big. I, I think thirty-five to fourteen, uh, Maryland covers, and I think they cover fairly easily. Three thirty on the Big Ten Network. We have Louisiana Tech at Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska is a 21 point favorite in this game, which I think it, it, it speaks to the reality that Louisiana Tech, like Northern Illinois, is not a great group of five team. And while I, I think there are real issues at Nebraska, you know, they, they lost Irvin and Johnson for the season with, with different injuries. So those are the two, their top backs. I think, there is some optimism in the quarterback room with Harburg possibly taking over for Sims. And so that, that is a development that we need to, to, to look at. And if that's the case, if Harburg does take the reins, this is a really good opportunity for him to get some reps. Nebraska's defense is good enough to win this game. As long as they don't turn it over, I think Nebraska wins and wins going away. I like Nebraska 31 to seven in this game. They cover slightly. They cover. Uh, but Nebraska's defense, I think, is is the key here. Indiana hosting Akron at 7:30 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Indiana's a 17-point favorite. I, I'll say this. I thought that Louisville that Louisville game would be close because of Indiana's defense. And I thought in the second half, Indiana adjusted and did a great job and they scored 14 points. Now they, I think they had enough chances to win that game, but their offense is just not there yet, but there's a lot of pieces to be excited about. I think this is a game where Indiana can really start to build some momentum and maybe steal some wins after this. I think Indiana wins uh, 35 to, to 10. I've forgotten Aaron Casey's name like three or four times. He deserves a shout out on this show. He's a stud. 
and I think he's going to have another great game. And I think he's he's a superstar on that defense. So, uh, again, Indiana wins 35 to 10. Minnesota at Northwestern. Minnesota is an 11 and a half point favorite. This is 730 Big Ten Network. Do not think, Minnesota fans, that just because it's Northwestern, this is an easy game for you. You struggled against Nebraska. You struggled a bit in your next game, and then you got blown out by UNC. And a lot of your problems, a lot of Minnesota's problems, are actually very similar to Northwestern's problems. They're, they're more pronounced with Northwestern, but the reality is Minnesota has a quarterback problem and a passing game problem. Kaliak Manis, who I thought would be better, you know, he's thrown one touchdown and I, I believe to four picks. He was 11 of 29 against UNC. Like that's, that's not good. And I think that's with a receiving core that that's better than I think people give it credit for, but they've just not figured out how to get that passing attack going. I, I, I don't think Northwestern will be able to threaten them offensively, which is why I think Minnesota wins this game. And I think Minnesota has gotten their running game going at least a little bit, but I, you know, Minnesota's an 11 and a half point favorite. I don't think they cover I've got it. I've got it 21 to 13. Minnesota wins, but does not cover. And I think it's a close game. I think Minnesota fans need to be really concerned. I I think the past three weeks, the first three weeks have been very concerning. If you're a golden gopher fan, probably the second biggest game of the slate for the big 10 is number 24, Iowa at number seven, Penn state seven 30 PM game on CBS. Uh, so really fun to see CBS host a primetime game for the big 10 Penn state's a 15 point favorite in this game. And I, this game is very challenging for me to figure out because I think on paper, I would probably pick Penn state going away but then uh, there's a couple of things that concern me. One is I think Iowa does have a better defense than Illinois. And Penn State, if you look at the score for Penn State, Illinois, that it, it's very misleading. It's very misleading. If you actually watch the game, you would just notice a very concerning trend. In the first half, Penn State had seven offensive possessions. The second through fifth possessions they started at the 42 of their own on their own side or better due to either a bad punt or turnovers and Penn State at the end of that led 16 to 7 three field goals a missed field goal a touchdown and a couple of punts like they they were not efficient and then if you go to the second half it was 16 to 7 they built on the lead with one drive that took 70 yards, the only real full drive that they had all game, and then a 30-yard drive that came after the fifth turnover of the game for Illinois. Like they got they had less than 400 yards of offense. They were herky-jerky, like they they weren't they weren't efficient. And 
if I'm a Penn State fan, I'm very concerned because what does Iowa do well? They play defense well. And they like to muck everything up. And their back seven is legit. Uh, Wampa and Cooper DeGene, I think, are, are two very, very talented players in that back seven. Where I think Penn State wins this game, though, is the difference between the difference maker at Illinois up front versus Iowa's defensive front. Joe Evans and Logan Lee, I think, are really good players. Jajan Newton is a game wrecker. Blocked a field goal. Like, he he blocked a field goal against Penn State. He had a sack. He was just very disruptive against a, an offensive line that I think has underperformed for Penn State. But I, I just don't think Iowa's defensive line is going to be able to, to make enough ruckus in the fray against their offensive line. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a stalemate up front. And which again, I think will lead to a lot of inefficiency for Penn state. That being said, I, I think it helps that the game's at home. It's a whiteout. I still think Penn state has two of the best backs in the country with Singleton and Allen I think they get the run game going a little bit. And I think Iowa's offense is just the thing that's going to hold them back. I don't think Penn State covers. I think this is a close game. I think if this were at, at Iowa, I would pick Iowa the way that these two teams are trending right now. But because it's at Penn State and because of, I think, the difference in who's on the lines, I'm picking Penn State. 23 to 17. I think it's close. I think Iowa uh, really gives a scare to the Nittany Lions, but ultimately Penn State gets it done. The game of the week and maybe the early game of the year, 7.30 p.m. on NBC, you have number six, Ohio State, and number nine, Notre Dame. Ohio State's a three-point favorite. And I've, I've gone back and forth on this game. And I, as a fan... I'll just tell you, as a fan, I have been very concerned about this football game because I I don't know how much I trust Ryan Day and Jim Knowles just with some of their questionable decisions. And I think the first two games especially, I was very concerned because some of the same struggles that I've seen with Ohio state over the years. And particularly, I think in their games against Michigan, I've, I felt like I saw cropping up again. And then I saw them explode against admittedly a very bad defense in Western Kentucky. So as a fan, I don't feel good about this game. I don't feel good about this. I I've been saying, I think for the past couple of weeks on this show that I think Notre Dame wins. I think Notre Dame beats them and then I, I said, I need to stop, stop thinking about this like a fan, start thinking about it like an analyst. And so that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to look at this from a non-biased point of view. And I think the, this game really comes down to a couple things, right? Notre Dame has two really good offensive tackles. Joe Alt is easily going to be a first round pick, probably a first team all American this year. Uh, 
Blake Fisher is is their bookend on that offensive line. He's also really, really good. Uh, they have a, a a fantastic corner in Benjamin Morrison, who I think uh, it was preseason All American. Again, really good. And then they have they have several other players in their back seven that I think are solid. Bertrand, J.D. Bertrand comes to mind. They have a transfer from Ohio State, Javante Jean Baptiste, who is one of their best pass rushers. So I think they 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 have real studs, and of course Sam Hartman is legit. But I think where this game might be won or lost for Notre Dame is the interior of that offensive line. Because I think Ohio State's strength on the defensive line is pass rushing tackles. Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, those guys are game wreckers up front for them. And while I think guys like Tui Moloow and Jack Sawyer can get pressure on the outside, like they they have those are great battles. Those are money battles for those guys with Blake Fisher and Joe Alt. But what are you going to do about those guys in the middle? And can Notre Dame's offensive line hold up against them? So I think that's one that's one where area where I think this game is won. I think the other one is the run the run defense for Ohio State. Can they hold up against Audric Estime, who has been phenomenal over the past four four games? He's averaging, I think, over eight yards a carry, averaging over 130 yards a game. They have not seen a running attack like this. How do they do against the run? And then vice versa, can Ohio State establish the run so that they can be a little bit more efficient? Because if you go back to all the big games, Ohio State has struggled to have consistency and they've had to rely on big plays. And I'm not sure you can just explode your way to victory in this game because you have a new quarterback. You have an offensive line that's new. And while you have the best skill positions in the country, you got to have chain movers so that you have opportunities to take more shots. As a fan, I would pick Notre Dame. And I'm saying as a fan of Ohio State, I would pick Notre Dame because I don't feel good about this. I'm not going to pick as a fan. I'm going to pick as an analyst. I think Ohio State has too much. Just if you look on paper... And I think a lot of people have seen Notre Dame consistently week to week and be like, oh, they're so much better. One, they have not played the level of competition that Ohio State is, neither is Ohio State. But I think the ceiling of Notre Dame is not much higher than what we've seen. Whereas I think the ceiling of Ohio State is actually a lot higher. And I think they're building toward it. And so I think they'll be able to slow down Estime. I think they will be able to run the ball enough. And I think Kyle McCord will have just enough plays to extend this where they, they pull off the win on the road. I, I like 34 to 28. I think it's a close game. Ohio state covers but that's the I think the score I'm going with. I think Notre Dame gets theirs. I think Notre Dame proves they're a top ten team, and I think Ohio State proves that they still have elite talent 
in that in that locker room. And I I think the play the player of the game. I know I've talked about the defense defensive line. I've talked about all these other things. Watch out for number ten Denzel Burke, who I think is having a phenomenal year. I'm going to take a break, and then we will be back to talk about power rankings and my national top ten. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. If you're on YouTube, you just saw me wait for a few seconds. But if you're listening on Spotify, you heard a break, which is great. So I want to talk about where I see the state of the Big Ten in terms of rankings and then my top ten. It's very interesting. It's very interesting right now of where I see things because I think – in the preseason, I had a lot of assumptions, and and I'll be totally honest, I'm, I'm totally sold on my top three, and then after that, I think you could throw darts and, and kind of reorder as you go. And so I feel like I'm ordering based on what I've seen and records, but I think the top three are obvious, and I flipped I flipped one. And so number one is Michigan. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Penn State. I flipped Penn State and Ohio State because I think the way Penn State beat Illinois concerned me. Like they won by 17, but it didn't feel like a 17-point win. And I I think Penn State could certainly flip uh, even after this week, although if, if Ohio State beats Notre Dame, it's going to be hard to do that. But – I think those those three still seem very clear to me that those are the top three teams in the conference. And I can see Iowa upsetting Penn State, but I, I, I don't think I would not bet on that for sure. I think they'll keep it close because that's what Iowa does. I've got Iowa four, and I think they're clearly four right now, but I'm still unsure about them. And then after that, good luck, man. Like Maryland's five and zero or three and zero, sorry, but I still don't know what to make of them with the slow starts. I do think they're a better team, and I, I, but they got to prove it to me over the next couple weeks. Like I think if they don't show up five and zero against Ohio State, they've missed a real opportunity. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they lose one of these next two games. I've got Wisconsin at six, but. Man, I don't know. It's nothing I've seen from Wisconsin yet has screamed to me, oh, they're definitely a contender in the West. But then again, I don't know if I've seen any contenders in the West. Like it's it's just really, really hard to figure this out. And then everybody else after that. So I've got Rutgers seventh. And listen, I know and I I talked a lot about Rutgers in my recap last time. I think Rutgers is, is steadily improving. I think they could, they could get to a bowl game this year. And I think that'd be a huge success, but there, there was a poll in my last thing as well. It's like, would Rut, where would Rutgers finish in the West? And a, a few people respond to that. One was like, well, fifth or lower. It's like, well, that's what we expect from Rutgers. But there's one, one person who said fourth and another person first. And I don't think they'd win the West this year, but I don't see a compelling argument against that. 
like I think on any given day they could beat they could beat Iowa. I think on any given day they could beat Wisconsin at this point. And then everybody else, I'm like, I don't know. Now I think there are matchups that that are unfavorable for Rutgers. I think Purdue is an unfavorable matchup. I think Illinois is probably more of an unfavorable matchup. Wisconsin is probably an unfavorable matchup, but like Nebraska, Northwestern, Minnesota. But this is my conundrum. I'm like, where do I place teams in my power rankings? Um, I made a mistake. Let me, let me switch a couple teams. I have Illinois at eight. And I think, I think Illinois, they've faced a really tough schedule early on in Toledo, Penn state and Kansas. It might be the toughest three game stretch that anybody has faced. Purdue, I think might have an argument against that too. With with Syracuse and with Fresno, but well, no, I, I disagree with myself. Penn State's the best opponent that either of them's played, but I I think Illinois has just had a really tough start, and I still think Altmaier is a decent option at quarterback. I still think Bielema is a coach that I believe in, so I've got them at eight. I've Purdue at nine. Again, I, I think Purdue could easily be the sixth best team in the West, but I also think Hudson Card is a talented player who I think changes the game for them. I think they have a couple of really good receivers. I think they have uh, some good players on that defensive line. I think they're just they're learning and they're they're getting a system. And they had a tough opening stretch where they went one and two. And I'm like, man, you put a lot of those teams against that schedule. I just don't know. Uh, I've got Michigan state at 10 and I think that they're falling, but again, I think, I think Washington's going to do that to a lot of people. I'm just, I'm, I'm concerned about how they're playing and their discipline after everything that's gone on with Mel Tucker. So I've got them at 10. I've got Minnesota at 11. You know, you you heard my reservations about them in the last segment. They're just not clicking where they need to. I think if Minnesota wants to be a, a player in the West, they have to have good quarterback play. And it's anything but right now. 12, I've got Indiana. I actually, I think Indiana could move up these rankings if Taven Jackson can continue to grow because they've got a couple weapons on that offense and the defense, like I think they are legitimately good. I think Aaron Casey is a, is a centerpiece in that defense. Really like what Tom Allen is doing defensively. I just, the offense has to catch up. Nebraska, I have at 13 and then Northwestern pulling up the rear at 14. That's where I have my power rankings. I'm going to go top 10. And again, it's it's amazing. I have one SEC team in my top ten, and I have three Pac-12 teams. Rip Pac-12, sorry. And maybe I should say I have five future Big Ten Big Ten teams in the top ten, and two SEC teams according to next year's definitions. Uh, 
I don't have, I'll, I'll say who I don't have. I don't have Oklahoma. I think everybody's in love with Oklahoma right now. And I'm like, you ain't played nobody. And I'm sorry. I don't trust you until you, until you play somebody like Oklahoma destroyed Nebraska last year. And then they went, I mean, they just imploded after that. So I, I think Brent Venables is the right guy for that job. I just have to see it before I believe it. USC is the same thing. I, people have USC at five in the AP poll. And some people are saying, oh, they might be the best team in the country. I'm like, I have no idea what you're judging that from. Like they've, they've played about the worst schedule and I have not been impressed by their defense, which has been their problem all along. And I don't think they've done anything to fix it. So I think Caleb Williams is nice. I think he's a great player. I think their offense is phenomenal, but so what? I, and I think you get to the back half of their schedule. Oof. It's, it's daunting, which gets me, I think, to the start of my top 10. I finally put Oregon in, in my top 10. I took out Alabama after the USF near debacle. I still, I would still say, watch out for Bama. Watch out for Bama, but I've got Oregon at 10. I've got Oregon state at nine. Again, I, I think Oregon state's really underrated. I, you know, a lot of people are talking about Colorado in the PAC 12. They're talking about USC. They're talking about all these other teams. Oregon state's got a good defense. And I think DJ Uyunglele actually is in a place that he fits well. So I like Oregon state number eight. I have Notre Dame and I was actually, I was very tempted to put them higher, but I have them at eight for now. I've Penn state at seven. Again, I, I could see dropping them if they don't fix some of the things that they're wrestling with. Georgia at six. Not impressed. Like they've they have been sluggish in the their first three games. And offensively, they're okay. And defensively, they're they're really good, but I don't think they're as dominant as the past couple of years. And I just don't think like, I think Stetson Bennett was more magical than we realized. And I think it's going to come back to bite him. I, I think it was Josh Pate who said to watch out for Missouri in the East. Don't, I think that's actually a, an amazing pick because, you know, Missouri just took out Kansas state, but you, Georgia's got to worry about them. They got to worry about Florida, who just knocked off Tennessee. Granted, Tennessee, I don't think is that good this year. Um, I say that having put them in my top 10 week one. I think that's before I, I really got a chance to evaluate them and, and, and see them play. But Georgia, I just don't, I don't buy. Like I, I they could grow into it. And, you know, Kirby Smart is an excellent coach. So this is not discounting them now. I just don't think they are that good right now. I've got Ohio state five. I think it's very significant of how Ohio state handled Austin Reed and Malachi Corley. Like their defense is trash. West Western Kentucky's defense is not good, but that offense is legit. And Malachi Corley might be 
the best receiver they face in the regular season? And I, and before people freak out and say, are you on, are you nuts? I think there are a number of draft analysts who would say he's a top 10 receiver in this year's draft. Austin Reed's an NFL guy. It'd probably be a backup in the NFL, but he's an NFL guy. Like he he'll play in the NFL. So like they have legit guys and Ohio state shut them down defensively. And I think that matters. Like that really matters. And so they got positive momentum. And so I, I thought I felt compelled to move Ohio state up a little bit this week. I've got Texas at four, you know, they struggled against Wyoming and I think the win against Alabama has lost a little bit of its luster. I think part of it is I just don't know where to place Texas because they had a big win, but I'm also like, like, honestly, I just don't know how good you are. And I honestly, I don't know how good any of these teams are. And that, that sounds like a bad confession to make. I, it's just hard to figure out. Cause I think they have a, a stout defensive line. I think Quinn Ewers is really progressing. I think Xavier Worthy is good, but I, I don't know. Like, I think, in a 12 game season, they might end up nine and three or 10 and two. Like, I think they're going to lose a couple games. At number three, I have Michigan and I would have them number two still, if not for them struggling against Bowling Green. If I'm less concerned about that game, I just, again, I, I think their ceiling is a little less than the other two teams I'm going to mention, but they've been consistent. I know that JJ McCarthy threw three picks, but no, they were never threatened against Bowling Green. So I've got them at three. I've got Florida State at two, dropping them from the number one spot. Uh, that game against Boston College doesn't inspire confidence. Very curious to see what happens with them against Clemson. If Clemson can rebound and put the clamps on that offense. Uh, I'll, I'll be very interested to see that. And then my number one team, I think the, the best team in the country right now, the Washington Huskies. I think Penix is a, a, easily a Heisman contender. I think their receiver room, while it's not what Ohio State has, it certainly is in the conversation of top three receiver room in the country. I think their defense is legit. And I think, DeBorg, the, the head coach, is an excellent coach. How ironic would it be that the last year, the Pac-12, we might have the first playoff-era national champion out of the Pac-12? I think it's very possible after seeing the first few weeks, seeing, I think, the level of talent that is coming out of that conference. And we're not even talking about USC and Colorado and um, all those teams. So I think I think these are th these are fun times. It's a fun year, and I'm excited to see what happens this week. I'm excited to see because there's going to be shakeup for sure, both in in my top ten and the power rankings. It's always a fun time when the the bulk of Big Ten teams start playing each other because then you start to really see okay where do these teams actually stack up with each other. So this has been fun. I'm excited. Leave me an email. Send me. Uh, send me a review comment. Uh, thanks for listening. Really appreciate you guys. This has been the big 10 football talk podcast. Take care. God bless.